Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. Hello, it's Anita here and welcome to this month's podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with EJ Amici, Victoria Port and Ross Lanning, who work as music tutors for Hertfordshire Music Service. And we're going to be talking about reflective practice. Why I thought you'd be interested is that if you employ or contract music tutors, it's a really powerful way that they can grow their skills to work with a range of young people for a range of outcomes, including young people with social, emotional and behavioural difficulties. And to give you a bit more background, the work they're doing also forms part of Changing Tracks. This is a programme of support and learning for music services wanting to improve equality, diversity and inclusion. It's run by Hertfordshire Music Service and funded by Youth Music and is part of the Alliance for Musically Inclusive England. I'm recording this introduction after the interview because I wanted to apologise for the poor sound quality. Thankfully, this has only affected my questions, not the tutor's answers, so I really hope this won't spoil your experience too much. So thanks for waiting patiently, Jay, Victoria and Ross, while I gave that rather long introduction. Welcome and thank you. Um, It's great to have you here. Don't know if you all each want to say hello. Yeah, hi, I'm EJ. Hello, I'm Ross. Hi, Victoria. Brilliant. And it's the first time I've done a podcast with three people who are together in a room and trying to socially distance. So this will be interesting. <laughs> I'll crack on with the questions. And I wanted to start really by asking each of you to tell me a little bit about how you ended up doing what you do today and perhaps why it's important to you. So, yeah, I started off by um, actually being in Hertfordshire Music Service as a participant, um, going to songwriter workshops and um, also performing at the Royal Abbott Hall for the school's gala. And then I went to university, um, went to SOAS and did a degree in music and development studies. And then in my final year or second year, um, I started working as a trainee for Hearts Music Service, doing music tutoring and workshop leading and then became a full part time tutor. Um, for them and now I'm doing some project officer work and evaluation reporting and yeah it's important to me because I was always well interested in music and I did some grades in piano but then it didn't really connect with me um, in the same way as like when I was playing the guitar or learn um, ukulele or song song wrote so I wanted to be able to have the music service be a bit more accessible and for people to be able to be part of it from all different backgrounds and be able able to um, not just do grades but have different ways of making music um, that suited them. Oh it's brilliant and amazing that you've come up through the music service and ended up in the music service and you're starting to um, help to make change in the music service. Brilliant. Thanks yeah. Uh, so yeah uh, I'm Ross and I have been learning guitar since I was 12 and I've kind of done my stuff through the music service as well because I had lessons um, peripatetically during school time um, so I've come up through that, uh, did my A-levels, and then I went to university in Brighton, which I studied at BIM. And then from there, I came back and I was planning on moving back to Brighton. But I started volunteering, uh, teaching drums and guitar at a school in Stevenage. And from there, I saw one of my old music teachers, which used to be 
teaching me A level when she came to the school, and then she'd moved on to um, become the head of the music service in Stevenage, which is Christina. She saw and uh, kind of worked through that, and um, ended up getting an interview and kind of coming through that, and uh, yeah, being in the place where I am now. So I started working in SCND, working with a, a company called Funky Pie. And then getting loads of different work and being a one-on-one guitar teacher, working in groups and doing ukulele, guitar, drums, bit of everything really. So I've got the background of playing lots of different instruments. Now I'm here teaching lots of different students across the Hertfordshire, loads of different instruments, which is fantastic. And um, how I got into the nurture group stuff, I was kind of put forward for it. And it's been, it's been really, really good to put everything that we've done or that I've learned already kind of into practice and come from it and a little less of a formal way of uh, the kind of graded system and look at how we can teach music as something to be fun and something to be experienced rather than being x y and z that you need to do this which I think is fantastic. Oh that sounds amazing and you mentioned nurture group a lot of listeners might not know what that is and do you want to just say really briefly what a nurture group is in the context of Hertfordshire Music Service? Yeah, so a nurture group is based within different schools around Hertfordshire. Mainly I work within Stevenage. It's identifying different students that may not have um, the best of mainstream backgrounds during school time. So they may have problems with anxiety, fear, some may have autism and loads of different, different students around the areas that we teach. And they all kind of congregate into one lesson and we, we use our, our music to make them included and to learn something kind of reflect on things and become part of a group and hopefully iron out some of the things that they may have troubles with in their life. And it's basically what people might know as small group music mentoring, isn't it? That that you're working with young people partly to help them to sort of re-engage in education and also to improve their well-being. Yeah, definitely. How they feel about being in school. It's an amazing project. Um, and Victoria, I wanted to come to you. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, so I um, I started um, playing the violin when I was about four or five um, with the Suzuki method and again kind of went through the music service, um, played a couple of instruments, kind of was there, lived at the music, music centre, went to university, went to the same uni as Ross but at a different time and then when I graduated I was really lucky to be signed by Giles Peterson and um, released an album with Brownswood and then kind of toured a lot, did lots of fun stuff and writing when I when I got married we decided to move move back home and I kind of really wanted to re-engage with the um, music service because I really feel like where my musical journey started and I, I kind of wanted to be like some of those teachers that gave me that kind of encouragement and that confidence to become a professional musician. Oh amazing what what a great group of music tutors thank you. So can you tell me how reflective practice fits into your work and into the training mix for you and and also what it actually is yeah so reflective practice we started about I think about two years ago now with us kind of getting into a room with other teachers that work with the nurture groups like I just talked about it kind of started off where we didn't necessarily know everyone that was in the group but like we've got to a point now where we've all kind of created really really good bonds and what the reflective practice is is that we come with ideas that we might have or problems that we might have within lessons that have arisen and um, talk them through and think of ways that we might be able to improve certain things within our lessons which is um, it's a really really beneficial thing for I think all of us because it helps gather this kind of mentality that we're all in the same boat and that we're all kind of working together for this 
but also help us to come up with different ideas that we can envision and put into our practices in loads of different schools around around Hertfordshire. Yeah, and it helps us talk about training that we've had separate to critical reflection or reflective practice as well. And then we can discuss that training. Like, and we had some training by Darren Abrahams who talks about trauma and the nervous system and how music can help regulate it. And it taught us all a lot and we've all applied it in different ways to our own lessons, but then we could also discuss that and what worked well and how we adapted it. So yeah, not even just discussing our own reflection and what issues we've had but also training that we've had as well interesting so it's not just about sort of working out technical things to do with your music lessons or your music groups it's more to do with the people side of it the people work is that right you're sort of very aware of how you're responding in the room with the young people and how they're responding to you for example with behavior and you can talk through how you dealt with it how the young person responded and how you can perhaps improve in the future would that be a, a good summary yeah absolutely I think it's really about creating this kind of environment of like person-centered teaching and a person-centered approach yeah. um so yeah it's really it's really about the student and the individual and and um and figuring out the best way to we've all got such different ways of learning and different ways that we kind of respond and react to things so I think it's definitely about being being really person-centered like you're saying and so how do you actually learn the skill of, of reflective practice I'm just sort of thinking some tutors might think well I actually already do that I'm thinking all the time about how to improve my lessons but it's a very definite skill and a sort of structured process isn't it I understand yeah and I guess there's the more personal um, on your own process and then one that we have within the inclusion tutors in Hearts Music Service so we have critical reflection meetings and they're every uh, well half a term so we have once half a term and we have like the same kind of group of people. I think there's like six to eight of us. And so sometimes I'll record just little, little voice notes at the end of my lessons, just asking questions like, what went well? What didn't go so well? What stood out from that lesson? And then you can kind of take that to your critical reflection meeting as well to discuss, to raise any issues you've had. And then it's kind of really positive because you have people there, music tutors who have had maybe similar experiences or have had the same issue and have known how to overcome them. And you can discuss that and kind of give advice to each other in a non-judgmental way. So there's a there's this kind of formalised process that you have, which is these critical reflection groups. And then there's the, the reflection that you get into the habit of doing every week. Can you tell me a little bit about getting into the practice of doing it every week? Do, do you actually sort of formally set aside uh, some time before and after each session with a young person or group of young people or are you kind of just thinking during the time that you're teaching so I've heard somebody talk about reflecting before reflecting during reflecting after practice yeah I think I definitely reflect throughout but I make conscious effort to reflect at the beginning just to kind of set up what I want to achieve in that lesson with some obviously flexibility because of the kind of young people we're working with but then also during and you're kind of being conscious of what's going on and maybe what isn't working so well which young people are struggling or doing really well and then afterwards I think because especially if you're busy and you're going off to the next lesson it's important just to have that little bit of time in between or even at the end of the day where you can just reflect and either record it or um, write notes down so that you have it there rather than just having to rely on your memory a week later. Yeah I think I think it's really important as well that we kind of get the idea that you don't always need to necessarily 
pin it down to, oh, I'm only going to reflect at this time. I'm going to reflect at every single kind of occasion when something comes around. Like if something is thrown up within the lesson, I think it's really good to reflect on it then and maybe even change it at that point when you see something not necessarily working, but you might see an outcome of something else. But I think like what we've all talked about before in our critical reflection sessions is that even having the idea of a reflection session, it brings it into your teaching more whether to think that, oh, this is going really, really well, this is going really bad, what can we do to improve this? And I think it's a constant thing that you think of. And yeah, we've talked about the time like at the end of a session as well, which I think is really important. And I normally do mine at the end of a day where I write stuff down. But again, when you're actually in the thick of it, sometimes it's really good to just really reflect on it while you're doing something. So do you have specific questions that you use for that personal reflection? Do you have kind of, yeah, I don't know, one or two or three prompts to guide your reflection? The most important question is always why. We, as we were saying, we kind of celebrate things that, that went well, and we also look at things that didn't quite go as well, but it's always asking why those things happen. So why did a child behave in that way? Or why did that, that particular activity go really well? And you really start to dissect all of the different elements of, of, of what you're doing. But I think it, it, the questions are kind of based, you always have a general set of questions, like how, how did the children respond to X or, um, why why didn't this go quite as well as I thought it would but I think it, all of the questions do kind of change depending on what the session kind of was about and um and what the activities were and what and what difficulties you came up against or what good things you you kind of mm. engaged with or even which activities had the most positive impact or mm. if you had a particular couple of students struggling with it if you did a different um, activity and how the young people responded to that and then you can take that to the critical reflection meeting um, and discuss that or someone might give you an idea in a meeting about an activity that worked for them so if somebody was listening in, as a music tutor who doesn't currently use reflective practice in a sort of formal way but things actually I'd like, I'd like to start doing that what would be some good starting questions for them to ask themselves after each session? I guess the first one is just a general how did the session go? So I think just kind of reading the room and just getting a feel for were the children happy, were they engaged, were they bored, were they were they particularly challenging in behaviour? I think just get, just getting a real kind of brief overview, asking yourself how you think that went, which I guess we do just as tutors and as teachers anyway, you kind of constantly mm. uh, critically reflecting even if you don't realize that you're necessarily doing it and then I guess going a little bit more in depth so that moving on to each activity that you've done and questioning why it worked or why it didn't work just you know I think they're the really good questions to start with would you add anything else yeah I, I, I totally agree with you on that to be honest with you I think that when kind of starting about this kind of critical reflection look at all of the points in your life like regardless of what you do when you reflect on things and try to bring that into your practice because if you learn stuff that is good and will work the next day that you might go teach someone else it might not work but why might it not work and why might it be, take something else yeah and it helps challenge your own preconceptions or um, ideas about which music works best or which um, activities work best and taking a more personal approach to it of that young person that you're working with or that group of young people and actually just going with going with the flow a little bit and how they're responding and not just doing what you think is going to be the best before you've even met them. Absolutely I think that's one of the really powerful things isn't it and I was going to go on to ask you about how it benefits you as a tutor how it benefits young people and the organisation you work for so perhaps you could just talk a little bit about that about how it, it sort of benefits you as a tutor and one of those massive things is the, the growth you've probably experienced in 
maybe challenging your own assumptions and biases. I think that probably happens more in the group. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, especially with working um, with other tutors in line with it is really, really important. And it's helped my practice like crazy. I think something that we've talked about quite a lot with our sessions is that sometimes we'll be in a boat where we feel like it's sinking and we're by ourselves when we actually come to a session and there's other people that are having relatively similar problems it's really really good to be able to talk them out because we work really heavily in a one-on-one environment where we're just the sole teacher and then when we come to the critical reflection meetings we can talk about these problems that we're having like it is that whole thing of oh okay it's almost a weight off our mind that this isn't just happening to me but how do we then improve this? And then other people will offer their ideas and then ask us the question of why and how we might go around this, which I think has definitely helped me out personally as a tutor. I think it really challenges traditional teaching theories. So we all kind of have these ideas, of, I think especially when I was growing up, of this is what you do and this is how you learn and you do this exam and then you do this exam and everything else. And I think, you know, we all, whether or not we want to accept it or not, I think we all have unconscious bias. And I think it's really important for us to dismantle some of that and to and to really challenge ourselves in what, what we assume that students will like, what we assume that they're capable of. Like there's so many different things that we don't even realise that we're thinking. And I think that's where critical reflection really helps you grow as a tutor. It's that continuous learning, isn't it, really, I think. Yeah, and also the fact that we're meeting with tutors from, with all different experiences and backgrounds. So again, that's challenging your biases and you can talk about things and just learn from different people with different music backgrounds as well. People who have done lots of grades or had 20 years of experience in teaching, but then some who have had released records and stuff. So yeah, it's good to challenge that as well and what we, what we value um, as music tutors. In your group sessions, can you give me a couple of examples of the sort of problems you might bring so that people can really understand what those group sessions might be like? Yeah, for example, I was having problems with a few challenging students and I was finding it quite difficult to be able to rule out some of the the bad behaviour, I guess, um, and the behaviour management side of it, when there were other people that were in the class as well that would be absolutely fine. And sometimes it would... Um, take the dynamic to a place where not necessarily that I wanted it so I came and proposed this question to the group of like how do I get around this and one thing that came out was an idea and a set of rules so but not me making a set of rules being very authoritative putting it into the students hands of what do we feel like a good classroom environment follows and what kind of aspects should we all follow to make this group the best thing that it can be and posing the question to the students to get them to make the answers and when they made the answers and stuff it was really really good because so it took the authority away to me and it gave the power to them the students themselves started implementing it and when anyone was stepping out a line slightly it was bringing other students to be like well we can't do that because that's not part of what we should be doing we should set these rules out and we should follow them because we are the ones that took hold of it I guess yeah yeah definitely any other examples? I think for me, the one, the thing that I, I really struggled with initially was students who maybe weren't very confident and would be quite withdrawn and um, wouldn't want to try, would kind of speak quite negatively about themselves. And then we were really lucky to have some training from Darren Abrams about meeting students at their level. And I think before reflective practice and before that training, I would often go in really high energy and really kind of, I've said it before, but almost like a bit like a children's TV presenter just trying to be re- to make it really really fun and really engaging because that was what I thought the young people wanted yeah. um, and then kind of reflecting back and, and doing that training and meeting people at their level so you know if someone is feeling a bit more shy or a bit more withdrawn then actually bringing 
you know bringing everything down a little bit and, and being a bit calmer and then building the energy up and that was something that I kind of had to reflect on and then found and brought to the group and we all kind of talked about it and I mm. then found that going back to those lessons I was um, able to engage with those students a lot more giving them more time to come into themselves rather than it being really full-on straight away. So reflective practice also kind of sharpens your antennae I'm not sure if that's a correct metaphor but makes you just very much more attuned to what's happening moment to moment in the room with participants. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's really important as well because it helps you understand about how to read a room even more. Mm-hmm. I think that we're all as musicians, I think that we're all pretty good at that anyway. But I think it's really, really important that you kind of take it into um, like we would choose to have a sharpening your antennae and being aware of these things to be able to sort out situations and get the best out of the students at the end of the day. I think that's the most important thing and they should be at the centre of everything that we do. So it sounds like it reflective practice definitely links really firmly into youth voice. Yeah, definitely. You're, you want your lessons to be child led and um, youth voices at the centre of that. So instead of just having that opinion on your own or going to the school and, and doing that, it's like it kind of reinforces the importance of it and the meaning behind it because you all leave it. It sounds like for you as tutors personally, it builds your skills and builds your confidence and helps your um, sessions being far more successful so that that you feel better about them and, and also I'm guessing when you're working with young people in particularly challenging circumstances obviously you're not music therapists and you don't suggest that you are but it's actually quite important sometimes I guess for your own well-being to be able to talk to other people. Yeah definitely because yeah a lot of the time you might have a lesson that's quite difficult and you don't have anyone to talk to straight away about it so just to have that support network even if you have like your own whatsapp group as well can be really really helpful and definitely I agree with that it's just it's just nice to even share your achievements sometimes because you want to feel like some kind of um, self-worth for it I guess it's that feeling that we're all in this together there are people making good things going on there are some bad things that are happening too but we can work on that and we can get ideas of how we can improve our practice but yeah it's really important to just have that space where we can all share all of the positive things that we're doing I think it's great. That's a really good point actually because we have been focusing on the sort of negatives but obviously you're sharing good practice as well aren't you and things that have worked. Yeah one time um, I was doing some percussion with some young people and they were quite young maybe uh, six years old But then two of the boys wanted to start dancing around because we had a massive hall space. So instead of saying they'll sit down and then maybe they would start mispaving or disengage, I said, okay, yeah, you can move as long as you're still making music. Um, So then I talked about that with the group and everyone was kind of thinking, oh, that sounds really nice. And yeah, including movement in it is actually a good thing if it can be managed well. Yeah, again, I suppose it helps you to be able to understand what young people are wanting to do in any moment, but also use that negotiating skill that's really important for working with young people. Yeah. And so there's really loads of benefits for you as tutors to do this sort of reflective practice, both individually and and as a group in your critical reflection um, sessions. And it, it sounds we're beginning to talk about the benefits for the young people that you work with. So what, what else would you say are the benefits for the young people that you work with? I think, like I, um, I said earlier, I think just that real person centred approach. So rather than this like one box fits, fits all um, method of teaching, we're really kind of focused on, on the child. And that means that they actually get the most out of their session. And I think it definitely also builds confidence and um, 
allows them to also create really positive relationships with us, which hopefully then they can transfer, you know, to other adults, you know, in kind of positions of power, like teachers or whatever else, or their parents, or even just other social interactions with other children. I think it's, it hopefully really changes just the way that we interact with young people um, and how they kind of view us and how we view them. And I think that's really positive. I think it's really important to that we're kind of showing these uh, young learners and stuff that we are helping them try to find their own voice I think that that's the most important thing to take from it with everything that's related to my guitar play and it's taken all of the bits that I've found really interesting that I like through my life not that anyone's told me that I need to take and I've used that and merged it into my plan to find my own sound and to find my own voice and this is just because it's so student-led that it's helping them find the things that they like about music and how we can use that to help them start creating creation on an instrument or with your voice or with your hands and with your movement, I think is the most important thing to show expression is to get something out, which I think is something that we really try to go for in our sessions. And can I just add, I also, I work other end of the spectrum. I, I work with um, older people with dementia um, doing kind of activities based around the principles of music therapy. And there's so many older people that I meet that say, that don't want to sing or don't want to engage initially because they say oh well I was always rubbish at school my teacher always said that I wasn't very good at singing and blah 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 and I just think it'd be really nice if we could create a generation of people who actually um don't get to 80 and say I'm not I can't sing because <laughs> I was told I was rubbish when I was saying you know and I think that's kind of also where I, I see it linking in. Oh that's interesting so that links back to the whole idea of community music practice and also about you know the the division that's grown in our society between us as people who are innately musical and this idea that there are only special people that do music. Yeah, the process rather than the, the final outcome, you know, we should just enjoy music and enjoy doing it without it having to be, you know, like I said, not everyone's going to be a grade eight violinist and that's absolutely fine, but we can still get enjoyment out of being musicians. Mm. Um, so how do you think it benefits the organisations that you work for and the sector that you work in to have tutors who are reflective practitioners I think it like really boosted morale between between like my peers that I work with is one of the most fantastic things and like I mentioned a few times it's just that because it's that working with just just yourself and the student it's so nice to be able to come and build these relationships because sometimes like if you were working in a standard office environment that would be one of the core things that you kind of have at work whereas because we're like one school then another school and then another school it gets really hard sometimes when even not necessarily the the thoughts of if something was a great lesson or something was a bad lesson, just that you want to be surrounded by people that you work with. And like, like musicians are wanting to play with people and wanting to be in the same room together, doing it in a music service. Like I can sit here and have a chat with all of the people that I work with now and we can talk about how our weekend was rather than just how work was. So it brings morale up like crazy. I think it's really, really important for that. Yeah, and it creates a sense of belonging and you you feel more connected to that, your workplace as well. It has more meaning to it and you feel like you have a support network that you might have not had if you didn't have those sessions. I also think the reach of the music service. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's an organisation, it's a business that needs people to engage um, with it and to want to come and do lessons. And I think the more that they show that we, they have a variety of teachers who are able to support children in a variety of different types of music, um, you know hopefully the more people are going to want to then come and engage with the music service. That's a really good point and, and it sounds like it, it actually isn't that costly 
for a music service or a music organisation to put this in, into place? Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just it's the meetings, isn't it? And then, mm. you know, we, we do lots of informal reflective practice in the staff room when you're having a coffee and all that kind of thing. Um, but tying it in as part of our CPD was something that we were discussing earlier. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, it's something that we can do and tie in with other types of training that then doesn't cost a lot to, to facilitate. Because basically you have, what is it, termly or, or twice termly critical reflective practice sessions. Um, and those are, what, a couple of hours? Yeah, two hours, I think. And they're, yeah, twice a term. Um, and I think having the same group of people, or at least like roughly the same group of people is quite important so that you build up that relationship with the tutors and that trust. So finally, could you share three practical pieces of advice for managers and tutors who are interested in making reflective practice part of their CPD and workforce development? Yeah, I'd say one of them being make sure that you yourself as a music service manager understands the importance of reflective practice and the meaning behind it and how it's going to impact the young people and the tutors and benefit um, the organisation as well. And to make sure that all your, your tutors involved in that are going to be on the same page and you all have that view about it because otherwise, yeah, you won't, you probably won't get the same out of it that you're hoping to. Yeah, I'd say one thing is the absolute value of the, the staff that you work with as well. And I think that organisations, they do completely um, acknowledge it, but getting everyone in the room together to be able to share their ideas, I think is probably the most beneficial thing that any single manager or, or company advisor could absolutely do. When you can talk about ideas openly and not have any judgment behind it, but then also form friendships and stuff and really value what you can have as a whole entity uh, of an organisation. I think consistency as well. So making sure that the meetings, you know, that you don't kind of start up and then it kind of drifts off for six months or a year or whatever. So being consistent with yourself and making sure that you reflect after each each session. So like EJ was saying, recording in your phone or writing in a notepad is really useful. But then also having that slight formality with this is when we're going to have the meetings just to kind of keep the momentum going. Yeah. And just to add something as well is that to make sure that each person is getting an equal amount of time to report back. Because at the beginning, we had a bit of um, maybe some people talking more and then you run out of time. And then, you know, that leaves some tutors maybe not feeling like they got enough out of it. So, yeah, definitely making sure you get that equal amount of time. I think you've, everybody, you've been doing these on Zoom as well. And you you weren't sure at the beginning that they'd work as well, because but apparently they've worked really well on Zoom. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd say so, especially like I've said um, to these guys as well, it was really nice because even when during lockdown, when we weren't working physically, we were kind of working online and whatnot, um, it was really good to still be able to have those familiar faces that you could come to see, have a little bit of a laugh and then get serious and talk about more practice. And I think, it, yeah, that was really, really important as well, because, again, I think it's that whole isolation of just like completely feeling not necessarily completely alone if you live with other people. But again, it comes into your job where you're just isolated, where you're just doing it completely by yourself. Mm. And it's nice to have all the other people around you that you can still talk to about the good things that you're doing and and help know what we can do to improve. It sounds like lockdown has, has sort of given you the music service a realisation that this can be done online. And so for other music services, because I know that a lot of music organisations struggle simply with getting tutors in the room because of all the various different sessions that they're booked into and, and getting a time and a date that's suitable for a lot of people when they're traveling all over the place to different schools is quite a challenge but it sounds like now you've found that it is possible to do it on zoom so so that might be a solution for some organizations if they were interested in starting something similar 
Well, that's been brilliant. It's been so lovely talking to, to you all. Thank you for coming on and best of luck with all that you're doing. It's a fascinating programme. We haven't really talked much about nurture groups, but there's lots of information on the changingtracks.org.uk website. Um, and I'm sure there'll be more information in the coming weeks and months. So thank you all. Great. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. You're really welcome. And if you want to read more about Changing Tracks and also Reflective Practice, I'll share the link to the website and links to other sources of information in the blog that accompanies this episode. Thanks for listening. That's the end of our show this time. Thank you for listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. And make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how I help music and creative organisations through communications, then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.